Hey everyone, the second annual Paranormality Podcast Award voting is officially open. If you enjoy Monsters Among Us and think we deserve to win a unique award that celebrates paranormal podcasts this year, please head over to paranormalitymag.com and cast your vote for Old Monsters Among Us. You can find us in the 14 category. Voting ends September 11th, so don't delay. Again, that's paranormalitymag.com. And thank you so much for your support. Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Hi there, folks. Did you miss me? Well, if not me, surely you missed the stories. Well, if that's the case, I have great news for you. I'm back this evening with another Patreon unlock. And this time we're opening one from the new format. The extended episodes over at Monsters Among Us Beyond. And boy, do I have one for you this evening. The extension to Lucky Number, Season 13, Episode 13. And in this episode, I begin answering some of the messages sent in by Patreon subscribers. Something we like to do there from time to time. So enjoy this bonus episode. And for you Patreon subscribers... Stick around after tonight's bonus release to catch the latest Monsters Among Us Beyond episode. I will be answering more of your Patreon-submitted questions, and of course, sharing an array of terrifying tales. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Season 13, Episode 13 of Monsters Among Us Beyond. Mr. Hayes. My name is Chrissy. I am from Illinois. And I know you get a ton of ghost stories, but here's my entry. This was 2001. Still resided with my mother, and she had a uh, one of the old shotgun homes, you know, where you can look in the front door and then look out the back door at the opposite end of the house. And the kitchen was linoleum, and it a little bit of the linoleum into the living room. If you turned right, you went down a hallway, and in the first room on the right in the hallway was the bathroom. I was in high school, and during high school, I was a competitive weightlifter, and I was in track and field. So in the afternoons, I had a short period of time after school where I could come home, shower, eat, get redressed, go do 
sort things after. Well, I came home one afternoon. It was sunny outside. There wasn't very much wind. There was not a forecast of rain or thunderstorms, nothing of the sort. I came home. I jumped in the bath because I my muscles were sore. I had another weightlifting workout that afternoon, and I, I just needed warm on the muscles. Well, I no sooner got in the tub and got relaxed. I had a book that I played on a one of those old MP3 players. I'm sure we all remember those. And I heard the back door open. I heard footsteps go through the kitchen and into the living room. I made the assumption that it was my mother because she was working at the time and I just thought she had come home early for whatever reason. So I called out to her and I let her know that I was in the bathroom, that I would be done in a few minutes because I had another workout that I had to be to shortly. I did not receive a response. I searched through the house. I did not see her. So I thought maybe she had just exited the home again and I just didn't hear the door close. So I went into my bedroom, which my door was directly across from the bathroom. I went into my bedroom to change into my workout clothes. I heard the back door open again. I again heard the footsteps through the kitchen into the hallway. I heard the footsteps past my bedroom and I called out to my mother again, received no response. So in some of my clothing, but curiosity trumps uh, pride, I think. I walked out of my bedroom, searched the house, nobody there. I went to the back door. It was still locked. Uh, my mother's car was not there. Nothing had been disturbed. I, to this day, have no idea what it was. I would be more than happy for an explanation. It was definitely creepy and very spooky. It happened more than one time and it happened to other people that would visit my home. My mother complained of the same thing. She also complained about people knocking on her windows, her bedroom windows, on the kitchen window, uh, knocking on the door, nobody would be there. And this was obviously pre-ring doorbell. Uh, if I had friends stay over in the night, they would complain about hearing random footsteps or voices in the kitchen, just all kinds of things. Uh, another one is that they too would hear both the front and back door open and shut. Uh, they would get up and look. Nobody would be there. The doors would still be locked. The houses on either side of us were greater than 15 feet away. We had a driveway on either side of us plus yard to get to the next house. So, you know, nobody, they were elderly anyway, so they weren't throwing crazy parties or anything like that. It was a quiet little residential elderly neighborhood. That's not the only creepy thing that happened in that house. Certainly not the most visible, but it was auditory, and I hope you enjoy. Have a great day. Thank you, Christy. It never fails. You find yourself in a quiet situation like soaking in the tub, and you find yourself listening to each and every sound the house makes. Like Christie's case, that didn't work out so well. More ghost mimicry. Unsettling. And I think it's unsettling because there seems to be some sort of connection made. They know our names. They know how to say our names. 
And not only that, they know how to say these names in other people's voices. Whatever that phenomena is, I don't like it. But we do thank you, Christy, for sharing it. And before we hit up this next one, I'm going to try to check off a couple of these messages. Now, full disclosure, Patreon folks, I'm extremely busy. It takes a lot of time to put out each episode. So I get a lot of messages that I simply don't have time to go through. So here's my attempt to try to answer some of these in a a more entertaining fashion. So let's begin with Becky Blankenship's entry, where she asks if I've been listening to Expanded Perspectives. It seems that over there the guys have been discussing trash bags that morph into other things. Now she says she thinks these stories take place mostly in Texas, and wants to know if I've ever seen or heard of anything like that. Now one person claims that the trash bag turned into a cat, and then into a little man. Well Becky, I can't say I've ever heard of a trash bag entity although I can't think of a few instances where what was reported kind of sounds that way. And a couple months ago, I believe it was season 12 somewhere, we did discuss a couple weeks in a row where people reported seeing these entities, these shadow-like figures, morph into cats. And I feel like that's only one step away from what's being reported here at Expanded Perspectives. By the way, Cam and Kyle run an excellent show down there, so if you're looking for content, I highly recommend those two. Our next question comes to us from Eunice Betts, and she writes, Hi Derek, I listened to an old podcast, don't remember the season, and a military vet told of a dog with a man's face in the Middle East. You said you didn't find anything on such a cryptid, but I found this picture and thought you might like to see it. This is a small, fluffy dog, a Shih Tzu, but if a larger, short-haired dog had a face like this, it would be more strikingly human-like. Thanks for the podcast, I really enjoy them, Eunice. Well, thanks, Eunice. Let's click on this link, shall we? Now, the image she sent, which I will link to in the show notes for this post, uh, seems to be a light brown-colored dog with these strikingly human eyes. Uh, The expression on its face seems very uh, human-esque, especially when compared to another dog in a second photo. I suppose that's entirely possible, Eunice. Uh, I don't know, obviously, what was seen there, but this is just as good an explanation as any. Uh, Be sure to check out the link in the notes, and thanks again, Eunice, for asking the question. Now let's squeeze in one more quick question here, if you don't mind. And this one's from Tim Anderson, and he writes, Hey Derek, big fan, I have a question. I have heard several accounts of Dogman. I wonder if at least some of these encounters are Bigfoot creatures wearing the skulls and skins of coyotes. Sort of like a bearskin rug. I know some tribes around the world wear the preserved skins of leopards, lions, etc., and rituals, and to elicit fear. I know it's a stretch, but so is the existence of Bigfoot or Dogman. Just wondering what you and the listeners think about it. Well, Tim, I think that's an interesting concept, but I can immediately think of one challenge. I happen to have a coyote skull here in my studio. It's mounted on a piece of wood. I can't help but notice how tiny it is. I can basically cover the entire thing with my hand. So, imagining a eight or nine foot creature somehow squeezing that onto their head or or even trying to stretch a hide over its head. I don't think it's possible. And before anybody says, well, what about a wolf? I still think the size difference is too great. I do like the theory, though, that this could somehow be a Sasquatch-like creature and not a dog-like creature. 
There are plenty of investigators out there that have already posited that theory, so I'll just say I like it and move on. Thanks again, Tim. Now, unless you're brand new to the show, you've heard me talk about microdosing. Now, if you're not familiar, do a quick search online and you will see that all sorts of people are microdosing to help them manage their anxiety and feel better overall. Now, I constantly deal with insomnia and anxiety, and I know I'm not alone. Microdosing has really helped me calm my mind and wind down at the end of a long day. Now, before you tense up about three little words, keep in mind that microdose gummies by tonight's sponsor, Lumi Labs, are completely legal everywhere in the United States. And yes, these gummies do contain cannabinoids, but we're not talking about getting high like Cheech and Chong. I'm talking about entry-level doses of THC and CBD to give you that mood lift, creative boost, and sense of calm. Now, microdose gummies are infused with organ-grown berries and are made with high-quality organic ingredients, so they taste just as good as they make you feel. Now, microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdose.com and use code MONSTERSAMONGUS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes. But again, that's microdose.com and code Monsters Among Us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. And back to those odd footprints you just found. What do you guys say we dip into another call here? This time, we're going to the state of Montana, where a caller calls in anonymously. Hi, Derek. I'm calling to you from Montana, and my story takes place three, probably four years ago in the spring in Butte, Montana. I had just gotten out of a really toxic relationship and was struggling with some stuff, and my ex-boyfriend and I were still living together at the time because we had moved to Montana together from a different state. And his parents were coming into town to help him move back to the other state uh, we had come from. And he had asked that I not be there and that he would just leave the key under the mat, which I agreed to, which turned out to be a mistake because he stole my dog. But that's a totally different story. But a good friend of mine who was a local to the area decided that she was going to distract me. So she signed us up for a local ghost tour that she had been on. Actually, one of her teachers ran the ghost tour, like one of her prior teachers. And I obviously am into spooky stuff since I, you know, listen to you. So I agreed to go on it and I thought it would help distract me. And the first couple things we did, I was totally into, but then there's a kind of museum in Butte that's part of the mining system. And there's a bunch of old buildings that have been moved there from around the town. And we were up there in one of the churches, and I just kind of was over it at this point. I was pretty upset and feeling down, and my friend and her family were super into it, and they were using some ghost hunting equipment and all of that. They like kept detecting the spirit but couldn't find it, and I just was kind of done following them and the group around and there was a woman there who I later ended up learning was a pretty strong empath who kept coming and trying to get me to talk to her and I 
was just not into it. So I went and I sat down randomly in one of the pews and I uh, was just sitting there by myself trying not to get spoken to, kind of contemplating my life and the choices that had brought me to where I currently was. I was feeling pretty depressed when I felt a cold weight on my right thigh, like somebody had put their hand on me. And it made me really uncomfortable, so I tried to ignore it. And I just kind of continued talking, and I'm not super religious, but I was beginning to pray and figure out my life and make some better choices. And it felt like the feeling of the hand was stroking my thigh, and I was getting really, really uncomfortable. So I said in my head, I was like, hey, if you're a spirit, you're more than welcome to stay next to me. I'm not going to tell them where you are. I understand I wouldn't want them to find me either, uh, but please do not touch me. And the feeling went away off of my thigh, and I was like, sweet, awesome. And I just kind of continued to have my own little meltdown to myself that nobody was aware of. And I was getting pretty upset and worked up. I was in my mid-twenties. I had been with this loser for quite some time, and I was getting mad that I felt like I had wasted my life. Good news. I'm now married with a kid. Everything's great. But the feeling came back, and it was like stroking me again. And I said, you are making me cold. Please do not touch me. And I felt a strong hugging sensation, and then it went away. And my friend immediately was like, hey, you know, I'm not getting any hits anymore. Let's move on to a different place. So we got up and left. But I am fairly convinced one of the old priests or old nuns from the church, because it was a Catholic church, had been trying to comfort me during my little breakdown. So that was, you know, a positive encounter. I did have a negative encounter later that evening. There was a part of this tour that my friend was very, very excited about, and it's called the Cabbage Patch. And the Cabbage Patch is an area of Butte, Montana, where back in the day, the poorest of the poor lived. And one like horrific story I remember that they shared with us on this tour, the head of the tour is one of the local high school teachers. Uh, he teaches history. It was a story of two sisters who were sleeping on the floor and there was no heat and they had been, I think, sweaty, or I don't remember if they had wet themselves or something, but somehow they had gone wet. And during the night, they actually froze to the floor and they were unable to get the girls off the floor the next morning because they, you know, frozen. Traumatic. And this was in one of the few remaining houses. It's kind of set up as a museum. And my friend was super, super excited because she had done this tour in the past. She knew the head of the tour really well. And she had had this amazing positive encounter where a young female ghost had played with her hair. So we go in and we're with the head of the tour and my friend and her mom and two other random people. Um, and because she had had an encounter before they had her sit in the chair kind of in the middle and the ghost tour guy was kind of trying to get the ghost to interact. And then the other women and myself were sitting on the bed. And I was sitting in the middle of the bed between her mother and these two women I had never met before. 
And I just had this horrendous gut feeling. Something was kind of playing with a mag light for them. And I just like felt in my gut that it was not the little girl and that something was wrong. And I was about to speak up and ask if I could leave when I felt a burning sensation in the middle of my back. And I know it was none of the women touching me because we were crammed in so tight like you couldn't move your arms. And at that point, I was kind of too freaked out to talk. And I was just repeating to myself, I believe in light and love and all things good. And just trying not to focus on what was going on. And eventually, the tour guide was like, you know, I don't think we're going to get her to interact tonight. I don't think what's been playing with the light was her. And at that time, my friend piped up and she said, yeah, it feels kind of evil in here tonight. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one feeling this. But I had been living with her in the time it took for my ex to move back home. So we weren't living together. And I went back home with her again that night just because I didn't know if they were gone or if they had spent the night there and I didn't really want to run into them. But when we got home, I went down. She had like a whole finished apartment in the basement. And I went down to the basement apartment I was staying in, was getting undressed to shower, and I turned and I looked into the mirror and I had three long scratches down my back. So I had to run upstairs and show her and tell her. And we believe that whatever dark spirit or entity was there in the cabbage patch with us had scratched me and that was the burning sensation I felt. So we started out the ghost tour with either a nun or a priest giving me a hug and ended it with something evil scratching me. So, you know, what a ride. But yeah, those are my stories out of uh, Butte, Montana. Thank you and I hope you have a wonderful Halloween since I'm calling you on Halloween. I gotta go get ready because I should have trick-or-treaters at my door in like 10 minutes and it's my son's first Halloween. So it's going to be good. Have a great night. Bye. It's always a fun experience when something strange takes place on one of these ghost tours. And I'm always very skeptical when something does. Is this real phenomena or is this something set up by the tour guides? Thanks, caller, for sending in the entry. Now let's move on to a couple more questions, but a quick disclaimer here. Some of these questions are extremely long, maybe a page worth of writing. So sadly, I'm going to refrain from reading those aloud. In the interest of entertainment, me reading that long just simply isn't fun for anyone. So in the future, if you guys could try to keep these questions as short as possible so I can address them here, that would be very helpful. And I realize that doesn't always work. Sometimes details are needed. But we're doing our best to streamline this process and get this entertainment and information out to you as seamlessly as possible. So with that said, our next question comes to us from Scott T. And I won't even attempt to butcher his name. Hello, Derek. I've noticed some whispering kind of hidden in your shows. Is that planned or just not edited out? I've also heard backwards talking in another show. I've been binging, so I have to go back and find out which episode I heard it in specifically. I love the show. I've been listening for about six months, and I'm finally a Patreon. Well, welcome aboard, Scott. And thank you so much for the support. Well, without giving too much away, if you hear something strange in the background, it might be worth investigating. I think that's all I'm going to say about that. 
Oh, and I guess I'll add this. When it comes to monsters among us, there's very seldom a coincidence. Now, our next question comes to us from Catherine Donahue. And she writes, Hi, Derek. I called in a few months ago with a story coming from Canyonlands, Utah, about seeing three dark figures on a moonlit road in a campground. Now, I'm not sure if it maybe wasn't the right flavor for the show, but in case you just missed it, I wanted to message you and offer you to email a voice recording of the story. I would really like other people to hear it in case they've seen anything similar. No one else saw it, but I was 100% alert and aware of what I experienced. Thank you for doing what you do. It's very meaningful and important work. And also fun. Best wishes, Catherine. Well, I suppose I shouldn't have said there are no coincidences, because we just had one. Catherine was actually featured on this very episode, with her mirrored man entry. And that was not planned. <laughs> Go figure. Well, Catherine, uh, the answer is yes. I got your story, and it was played today on this episode, as you probably heard. But this brings up a good topic. I receive countless submissions a month, probably close to a dozen a day, I would say. And we only process roughly 20 a week, so it's going to take some time to get through all these calls. But I promise you, I'm not holding back on anyone. I'm not keeping calls from anyone. It's just a process of getting through them. And a little inside baseball. I get so many that right now I'm currently seven or eight months behind listening to these calls and getting them logged into my library. Now, it's a good problem to have. And it ensures that this show is going to be around for a long, long time. As long as you guys keep listening. So be a little patient. And I promise I'll get to all of them. Now, let's sneak in one more. And this one's from Hoot. Which is also ironic because we talked about owls earlier. Good news. I got drunk and resubscribed. There you go, Hoot. I love your work. Did you know you sound like Castile from that Supernatural show? Left a story a while ago. Can't wait to hopefully hear it. Well, Hoot, I do actually get that note quite often. And I've never seen the show, but I'll take it as a compliment. A quick little story, just the other day I was actually uh, doing a Skype interview and the guy actually stopped the interview to tell me that I sounded like an old radio host from Los Angeles a couple decades ago named Joe Frank. No, I'd never heard of Joe Frank, so I looked him up and by God, the guy was right. And I took it as a huge compliment. Now, Joe Frank is no longer with us, but if you're curious, make the comparison yourself. When I first came to L.A., I lived in a hotel on the beach I stayed there for about a year. Then I wanted my own place. Finally, I found a four-room bungalow with a deck in the back and a patch of lawn in a middle-class neighborhood of modest one-story. Those are certainly some big shoes to fill. Thanks again, Hoot, and thanks for signing back up. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. How we care for our minds affects how we experience life. So it's important to invest time in keeping our brains healthy. Now, there are many ways to support a healthy brain, like getting enough sleep, reading, or being physically active. But there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. Now, I've struggled with depression, and therapy has helped give me the tools to manage it in a healthier way. Life can sometimes feel like a roller coaster, and I believe therapy can do a lot to help anyone manage the ups and downs that are thrown our way. 
BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Now it's a lot more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. So if you've been thinking about therapy, take this as your sign to get started now. And I know you'll be glad you did. Monsters Among Us listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com forward slash Monsters Among Us. That's Better, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Monsters Among Us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening and back to this bonus content. Now, I have one more call to share with you this evening. So let's dive into it. And this one covers a familiar subject and comes to us from the state of Illinois. Matt, welcome to the program. Hi, Derek. My name is Matt. Uh, I've been meaning to call this in for a while now. I've been a fan of the podcast for about a year. It's been a lot of fun. It's really helped uh, get me through the workday. Anyway, this is a story that took place near my hometown in Roscoe, Illinois. Uh, It's a classic black triangle UFO story. So I want to say this was about a decade ago. I was with my girlfriend at the time, and we just decided that we were going to run to a local fast food joint and get something to eat. We were driving down Highway 251, and it was just about dusk. I mean, you could just see that the stars were starting to come out, but it was kind of twilight. There was a little bit of the sunset over the horizon still. And uh, she was driving, and I was just kind of looking out the windshield, and I noticed when I looked up that there was a point of light in the sky. And if you've ever seen a satellite moving through the sky, it was like that. The difference was it was a lot brighter than a satellite, and it was moving a lot quicker, too. And it was moving to the side. I mean, if you're looking down uh, 251, it was moving right to left. So as I was watching this thing and realizing, like, that's too bright and it's moving too quickly to be a satellite, I looked down a little bit and I saw another point of light exactly like it moving parallel with it. And almost instinctually, I, I get chills every time I think about this moment, but almost instinctually, I looked to the left. And that's when I saw the third point of light that completed this triangle. And it was huge. It was flying what seemed to be pretty low, but it was gigantic. And at that time, I pointed at it and I said, Danielle, what the blank is that? And, uh, you know, she started getting worked up, too. I remember her saying that she felt like crying because it was just it was so shocking to see this this huge black triangle flying over the highway. It was moving so quickly and so silently, but it was starting to get over a tree line. So I told her, hey, you know, hurry up. We, you know, keep drive faster. You got to keep up with this thing. So she sped up. We kept an eye on it. We, we just were barely to keep uh, looking at it before it went over the tree line. And before we knew it, uh, we, we came up to a red light. She had to screech to a halt. And we stopped and watched this thing fly out over the tree line. And that, that was the end of it. The strangest thing about this whole experience and what freaks me out the most is just how unnoticeable this thing was. I mean, really, I was looking directly at it. 
I don't know how to explain it. I, I, I mean, you could see that it was blocking out the stars, but you really, it was so hard to notice and so dead silent. This was all over within two minutes or less, and I couldn't even react quickly enough to think that I should take out my phone and record it. It didn't look like anybody else driving around us had seen it. But what freaks me out the most is just how many more of these things could be flying through the sky and you would never notice it. I mean, that's just how unnoticeable this thing was. So to this day, I don't know what it was. You know, I don't automatically assume that it's aliens. Maybe it's some kind of government craft. But all I know and all my uh, girlfriend knew at the time was that this thing was not normal. I mean, this was not something that you would ever see in normal circumstances. I don't know what it was. It was one of the most profound experiences of my life. And uh, yeah, hope you can use this on your podcast. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Matt, for calling in. You know, Illinois is actually a bit infamous for these strange UFO encounters. Seems like there's a big flap there every couple of years. And in fact, in southern Illinois, back in the, I want to say, late 80s, early 90s, there was a massive sighting of a black triangle craft that seemed to travel from somewhere near southern Indiana all the way into Missouri, covering a large swath of the land of Lincoln. And coincidentally, around the same time that Matt had his encounter, another UFO was sighted in nearby Highland, Illinois. This one was covered by the news. During the evening of January 4th, 2000, witnesses throughout Illinois see an unidentified triangular-shaped group of lights drifting through the night sky. Melvern Knoll was the first eyewitness. He saw the craft hover over Highland, Illinois at 4 a.m. He happened to look up in the sky and he saw this gigantic craft. He thinks it was no more than a thousand feet elevation and it was cruising noiselessly. He saw that it it had an interior. It was illuminated on the inside. He, he called it a flying house. Uh, of the seven witnesses at the time that, that came forward and, and talked to the media, four of them were police officers in four different jurisdictions. They weren't buddies. They didn't know each other. And, and, and they, were, they were seeing this thing as the radio dispatches were being relayed along. And the fact that it happened so close to Scott Air Force Base and Mid-America Airport. Those places have large hangars that, that could, could conceal a, a, a craft as big as that. Now that clip courtesy of the History Channel. And I would say if you live somewhere in or near the state of Illinois, you better start looking up. Thanks again, Matt, for taking the time to share your call. All right, folks, let's squeeze in a couple more quick questions and then I'm going to duck out of here. And this one comes to us from Suck-A-Bunch, also known as Roberto. Hola, Derek. I'm happy to join you on Patreon. Great show. I love your no-nonsense approach. You analyze without judgment and with an open mind. I'm eager to jump in on all the bonus content. I hope to contribute soon. Gracias, Roberto. P.S. I am a professional toy designer, and perhaps in the future, we could collaborate on some work. Well, thank you, Roberto. And yes, I think I would be interested in that. 
Send me your credentials, and when I have a moment, I'll reach out. And thank you for the compliments. I do my best to try to keep this as a judgment-free zone while still trying to get to the bottom of some of these mysteries. It's a tightrope that I don't mind walking. So long as I don't fall off, I guess. Okay, so let's sneak in one more quick question. And this one comes to us from Martin Deacon. And he writes, Hi Derek, I've been listening to your show for about two years and I am now a patron. My wife and I were listening to Monsters Among Us Beyond number 46 this afternoon with Shannon Legrow, whose show I also patronize. The story of the man being breastfed by a Sasquatch reminded my wife of a novel by Michael Crichton, also a film, I believe, called Congo, in which one of the characters is saved from guard gorillas of a diamond mine by a female gorilla, which his group had taken along, pretending to breastfeed him and by signing to the other gorillas that he was a baby. I say this not to suggest that the witness was making things up, but rather wondering whether he had some form of mild delirium brought on by shock and pain, and perhaps he, too, had read this book and his brain created some form of fever-type dream based on his incident as unconscious reassurance. I know he said he tasted the milk, but I have had vivid dreams in which I can taste things as well. So I feel that this would not be too great of a problem. We love your show, which we found by seeing you on Paranormal Caught on Camera. So doing that show at least brought you some custom. Keep up the good work, as everyone says, and please do not feel you have to reply, as I dare say you are kept pretty busy. Regards, Martin and Gretchen Deacon. Well, thanks, you two. I appreciate that. And they're referring to Max Call, out of the state of Mississippi. He was a hunter that wasn't secured in his tree stand and slipped and fell, broke his back. And when he awoke, he was being coddled, protected, and forced breastfed by a female Sasquatch. No, I too have seen that film. I've seen that film dozens of times, in fact, when I was a kid. It was one of those ones we watched on repeat over and over for some reason. And I remember the gorilla that they took along. I believe her name was Amy. Now, I don't think that's a wild theory. And falling and breaking your back could certainly induce some sort of hallucinations. And I often thought that about the story myself. But Max's story seemed so coherent, so somehow believable, that I can't help but think that what he described actually happened to him. But here at Monsters Among Us and beyond, we're here to ask questions. So I certainly appreciate the inquiry, Martin and Gretchen. Thanks for writing in. And a huge thanks to you for all of the support and for sticking around for this Beyond episode. Monsters Among Us Beyond is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And the score you heard this evening was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse. Thank you all so much for the support. Thanks for tuning in to this bonus content. And I will catch you all next week. Have a good night. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. 
It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.